0: Speak Seductively.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Kyle Cannon, erotic fiction author, naturist, and swinger.
0: And I'm Lily Cannon, book cover model, audiobook narrator, naturist, and swinger. And you're listening to the Speak Seductively podcast.
1: I have an erotic fiction series called The Photographer's Story and over 15 erotic novellas on Amazon. Two themes in my work are the promotion of a sex-positive lifestyle and the development of strong, sexually confident female characters. My writing has been described as slow foreplay, building until the reader is breathless with need. You can find my novels and short stories on Amazon. They're all free with Kindle Unlimited.
0: We want to welcome you to another exciting and informative edition of Speak Seductively. We use this platform to promote other authors, talk about sex, and relationships. Please be aware, we will be discussing adult topics, from sex to the swinging lifestyle and more. Our approach is always classy, but be ready for frank conversations. Our guests are frequently erotic authors or those in the lifestyle. Hi everyone, this is Lily. Guess what? I've started a classy, sexy, and very sensual OnlyFans page, and I'd love for you to come visit my site. What will you see? For years, you've heard Kyle and I talk about our lifestyle, that we are naturists who also swing, and we've also done a lot of photo shoots. Well, I've modeled a lot, mostly for Kyle. My work has been varied. Some of my favorite shoots have been very sexy pinup sets that remind me of the old 1940s pinup calendars, you know, corsets and sailor girl outfits, just to name a few. I've also done several nude sets from very artistic to very sexual and sensual. Have you seen the cover of Kyle's book My Bound Valentine? That's me, wrapped up in a rope with all the good parts covered. That was a long set we did with many, um, less covered and much more revealing photos. Those and more will be on my OnlyFans page. What else? I've also done videos reviewing adult sex toys and Kyle's books, In fact, I have a lot of bedtime stories I've read wearing nothing but sheer lingerie. I plan on doing several more bedtime stories, maybe topless. Would that keep you up at night? Finally, I've been doing some workout selfies and videos. A few of those have been topless. Look for them soon. The best thing? I have a lot of free content I'm going to share. Right now, it's free to subscribe to the site. You just have to pay for the nudes. So... Come check out my OnlyFans page. Just click the link in the podcast description.
1: Hey everyone, it's Kyle Cannon, and welcome to the most exciting, thrilling, and erotic um, podcast on the air right now. And if you've been listening, uh, Lily, uh, her day job is keeping her away for from several of the episodes, but... Uh, Uh, She, this is one that I'm going to say she's definitely going to miss out on. Uh, We interviewed the guest that I have today a few years ago, and it was so much fun. We ended up turning that into a two-part interview, but I don't want to blather on. I want to introduce our guest and let her talk about herself. She is author extraordinaire, Sai Marie. So Sai, do you want to say hi and then tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
2: Of course, Kyle. Good morning, everybody. I'm really excited to be here again. I really enjoyed my last um, interview with Kyle and Lily both. It is a little bit sad that she's not here today, but shout out to Lily wherever you are. And um, okay, so about me, I am an author first and foremost, and I'm also a screenplay writer. Um, I have been working in the writing industry since July of 2013, so it's been a good minute now. And I... I love what I do, but um, today I'm actually here to talk about my newest release, which is a collaborative project I'm really excited about and has 12 unique author stories in it. So that's what I'd like to do today, if you don't mind, Kyle.
1: No, that sounds great. I, I was looking at your description of the anthology, and I I think it's fascinating. So why don't you just jump right in and tell us a little bit about uh, that project?
2: Okay, so this project is actually really cool because... Um, in the last few years, since I spoke to you, I have actually kind of branched off and formed my own company. And this particular project is, it was started by the author who, um, brought us all together, which is Ray Hendricks. And she is a USA Today best-selling romanticy, which is kind of spicy fantasy romance author. Um, but the thing about it is, uh, she was one of the first people to encourage me to kind of branch out and go on my own in, uh, starting that business that I've started and um then she she came to me at the beginning of the year and she said I'm thinking about doing an anthology project and I'm trying to get some authors together would you like to be in it and I was of course like well of course I'm all ears um you know what are you what are you wanting to do and she said to us that the main theme of this um anthology was it was supposed to be fairy tale related and kind of like the captive captor Enemies to lovers trope, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have a heyday with this." You know, like um, from my past experiences writing romance and erotica, especially, I have done a lot of bondage themes, elements, and things like that. And then adult fairy tales. And I mean, I'm a woman who definitely, as a a little girl, grew up on the Cinderella Mm -hmm. complex in a way. Um, But these are, you know, more fashioned towards those fairy tales that you loved when you were a little kid and that classic storybook approach but for big kids <laughs>
1: <laughs> it sounds it sounds great can you yeah. give us uh tell us a little bit about the the story that you wrote um what without giving away too much can you give us some some of the cliffhanger version of it
2: i actually have the book in my hand right here i could probably read a first page for you guys that would be um, awesome. Go go for it. Go ahead and flip to my story particularly, which is on page 256. Because the paperback is actually ready now. It actually premieres on eBook on October 17th. But we did the paperback release a little bit earlier so he could start getting it.
1: Well, the the timing for this could couldn't be better then because I can uh if you're listening right now, hopefully I am airing this episode around the 17th. So go out and get the ebook or the paperback version of the book and, uh, enjoy it.
2: All right. So my story is called exalted anomaly and, um, it's a short story. Each one of the stories in the anthology, which the anthology is actually pretty long is anywhere from 15,000 to 25,000 words. And like I said, there are 12 different stories. So this is a, it's a thick book. (laughs) Um, and it has a lot of variety for different people and different types of dark uh, erotic for- fairy tales in it but anyways mine is exalted anomaly and it is about um a mythical nymph it takes place in the Kessari uh, I can't even say it right greek <laughs> forest um and that's intentional because i created this myth- this mythical nymph species and she's not just like a solitary creature She actually comes from a society that's very intricate, and and they have, you know, a lot of different rules and regulations. Um, However, she's not aware. It's kind of like a mistaken or a lost identity story in a way. But that's all I'm going to say about that so I don't give away too much. Okay. Um, I will go ahead and read the first page from the book, which starts with Chapter 1, The Unexpected Goddess. Crunch. The weight of her tiny bare feet as they motioned over the battlefield of debris that laid outstretched before the grimy-looking wretch who came to stand at the edge of the burning cabin was the only sound. Hours had passed, how many the girl could not say, but enough that the fray that had demolished her home and the echoes of her grandmother's screams as she burned within could by now become so seared into Eulalia's memory that she almost thought she could even hear it now. An acrid stench wafted through the air, but nothing remained. The bits of steam that now lifted from the earth were the only signs of the inferno that had engulfed the cabin in an instant. Why? Why, Giovanna, she murmured, wondering to herself why her grandmother had left her in such a state. How could she not know it would come? How could she not know that they would brand her all these things and seek to ruin her life? Eulalia felt the urgency to flee, but where would she go? A crippling fear inched into her marrow, driving her eyes to flicker all about. Don't just stand there, Yuli. She reminded herself with an aggravating stomp, turning herself to spin in a pirouette as the colors of the forest around her began to blur together. Would it all fade? Could she simply spin it all away? Round and round she spun, the course of her platinum tresses flying out in a circular motion as her body freely rotated. However possible, celebrating in dance as if possessed by lunacy. A crack of her lips then and the appearance of her visage morphed as the glint of her blue eyes ignited with a luminance so bright The entirety of her optics seemed to beam with a radiance that was blinding. The presentation of it all suddenly forced the spin-shift of the youthful creature's body to influence the very winds. Abruptly, a gale force began to whirl about her in the cabin, and its smoldering, smoldering remnants, too, began to move. With it, the swirling uptick of leaves and all manner of debris began to whirl together, and in moments there was nothing left, at least nothing that Eulalia could clearly make out. "'Around and around she spun, "'the tendrils of her delicate platinum locks "'spreading out in a circular arc "'that matched the rhythm of her pirouette. "'In motion as she was, "'everything seemed to meld together "'and unify in such a way "'that the time slowed "'and the sensation of her eyes falling to a close "'brought Yuli into a careless revolution. "'Suddenly the feeling of mist "'as it caressed her skin "'brought her to an instant halt. "'The breathless wave of her exerting motions "'finally took its toll upon her "'as she settled her gaze upon the smoldering aftermath of what had once been her home. She recalled so little, but Niamani's voice traced her inner ear as she gazed over the scorched terrain. But her grandmother's memory was the only thing Eulalia knew to cling to. Nia was supposed to have been her mother, but Eulalia never knew her, not for more than the brief time she had before she had disappeared after leaving her to her grandmother's care. For all Eulie knew, Nia had already passed to the afterlife and she had no further family. The sinking of her knees as she found herself once again staring at the place she called home brought Yuli to recognize her need to find new shelter but where and how she had nothing save for the quickly growing wet clothing that clung to her skin and that is the first page
1: wow wow that well that's a heck of a start
2: yeah I try to get a hook in there (laughs) (laughs) so uh, I'm I'm curious
1: how do you um where where does your um inspiration come from for a story like this
0: Yuli
2: was really kind of a character-driven story. I just had Mm -hmm. this vision for a blonde nymph, a Greek nymph, and in a really ancient forest. And I decided to start working on a character sheet because the character just kind of presented into my mind like that. And I didn't have a story for her at all at first. I just had this character, and I knew that she was really an interesting character, but she needed the background. And so I just kind of was like, okay, I pulled her out and I started looking over all the details of what I've created. When I say create a character sheet, it's very detailed. It's like pages long of everything about them. And so I already had a pretty good platform basis of her built up, but she had no identity to connect her to any kind of story. So I just kind of was like, okay, I know this character's a nymph. I know that I made her based off of this image that came into my head. And how can I just kind of build it all together? And then I sat down and that first page that I just read to you was what came out. And it's just where it came from. And so once I wrote that scene, I was like, okay, so I got a girl who's obviously an orphan. Um I need to build up a background. And because I'm part Native American, I think that kind of influenced it in a way, because especially Mm -hmm. September 30th was just National Orange Shirt Day in Canada about all of the children that have been unalived in residential schools, which is now at thousands. A lot of kids were taken away from their culture and completely just separated from everything they knew and put in this place with these people that were supposed to take care of them who often abused them in terrible ways. So I feel like part of that kind of translated to Eulalia because she was this forest creature who was taken from what she knew and her situation isn't quite as bad because she was with her grandmother but um, after she loses her she's kind of displaced with nothing and she has no connection to her past. Her tribal people, her culture, or anything about who she is. So she's kind of just thrust into the world with nobody, and she doesn't understand what or who she is.
1: It does as without giving too many spoilers. Does um, that that seems to lend itself for a a voyage of discovery on her part, which I I think is just such a, a cool and fascinating project that you've started
2: thank you i i'm pretty proud of it um i'm really excited that ray got me into this collection and some of the other people in here like the first story in the anthology is purchased by the oni lord by a.m matsuda and she's a japanese romantic uh, writer and it's just it's a really unique um short story because i mean everybody a lot of people that are interested in japanese lore know what an oni demon is and things like that mm-hmm. but you don't See them in um, Western books and things like that. So, this A.M. Matsuda, being a Japanese romantic author, has definitely um, a really unique and innovative story here. And it's really good. And that's just one example of some of the amazing stories in here. And like I said, Rey is a best selling author herself. Um, but there are a ton of really good stories. And if you like, fantasy at all uh, and then combining it with any kind of erotic or spicy elements it's definitely going to deliver i can say that
1: so i I know there's multiple short stories in here um let's go back to yours on the um erotic scale where would you rate the spiciness of your story Uh,
2: mine out of a one to five flame it's probably about a four um so i mean that's about where she wanted us to kind of stick for the majority Mm -hmm. of them to between three and four I don't I haven't read every story in here yet so I don't know if there are any flame ratings but I do know mine's a steady four
1: (laughs) well there you go that that sounds pretty pretty steamy
2: yeah (laughs) I like to uh when I write romance um I like to make it really like nuanced that's something I really enjoy doing but there has to be you know some good romance in there and some good steamy spiciness to keep it engaging. And um, I feel like I, I definitely delivered that in Exalted Anomaly.
1: Well, I think one of the things that uh, we enjoyed about your your writing and talking with you is you build character. It's it's not just a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, erotica story. There is character. <laughs> You're developing a story. Um, so a question for you on this. Do you see this short story becoming more do do you see
2: you are the second person that has actually said that some of my beta readers my my advanced ca- arc, arc readers have actually been like the only complaint that i have is that it it's you know it culminated in this story and i i don't really know i mean i'm not opposed to it i um i really like the character and i can see that there's definitely room for growth mm-hmm. and you know depending on how well it's received by the public i would definitely keep myself open to writing more about Eulalia.
1: Well, and the the hard part, and I'm speaking for myself right now, sometimes you write a story with characters that as an author, you know, has a beginning, middle and end, and you put that all together in in the story. Um, I've had several um, of my readers contact me and ask when the second version book is coming out for um, as a sequel. And the hardest thing for me to do is to say, I have no idea. I hadn't planned on a sequel for it.
2: Right. (laughs) I mean, I didn't plan on one for this at all. I I feel like it is a complete cohesive story and and it's really good, but it is definitely one of those stories, even though it does have the complete story structure completed on Mm -hmm. it, it could be continued because of the way that I built the society and everything in it, it it could definitely, it has the potential to become quite large if I spend a lot of time on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my pat answer right now is it depends on what the muses tell me.
2: Exactly. That's a perfect answer.
1: (laughs) So, um, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your, do you want to continue getting into the anthology or do you want to talk a little bit about your production company? You've got so much going on. Our, our listeners. Um, I was talking with Sai before we started recording. Um, you, you are incredibly busy and productive. I, I don't know if you want to share any of that with our listeners on this episode.
2: I mean, I'm open to talking about some things, of course, mostly I'm here to talk about the anthology, yeah. but, um, I could briefly go into a little bit about what I've been up to. I, Since the last time we talked, a lot has changed. I founded my own company um, and started my LLC, and now I actually have writers, and I have a team of about 12 presently. We work on various different types of content and do a lot. Hey,
1: everyone. It's Kyle and Lily with an important message to all of our listeners.
0: If you've been listening to us for a long time or reading Kyle's books, we hope you have heard the message we stress. It's the importance of communication and a sex-positive lifestyle. One of the key components of that lifestyle is consent. Remember, no means no. A lot of ghostwriting services,
2: um, but I've also branched into screenplay writing. Mm -hmm. February of this year, I completed my first full-length screenplay, which is on a studio director desk. That's really all I can say about that. I can't disclose more. Um, But it is very exciting. It is a very prominent one, and it is actually a studio director that is known for picking up books from authors and tends to look for unknown or untapped talent. Um, and I kind of fall into that bracket right now because I'm a newbie in the screenwriting business. Right, right. Um, <laughs> I do actually have, even though I am a newbie, I do actually have some amount of experience with it because I was doing scripting for like video games and uh, podcasts mm. and YouTube channels and things like that for different clients I I've done a lot of different things like that I actually really cool thing that I did if people want to see some of my work in action um, as far as screenplay writing is I made the book trailer my company is actually the one that made the book trailer for Dance with Darkness and I hired the voice actor which is Rithian Black he is a very prominent um, Mm -hmm. gothic actor and he's also a writer himself and he had the perfect voice for what I wanted. And I wrote the script and I put together all of, I I did all the videography, everything. He just did the voiceover and acted for me. And um, I'm pretty proud of it. It, It's really good. And it kind of showcases that side of what I can do on the imagery and videography kind of aspect. So I have a lot of interests and opening this company has allowed me to work on a lot of different productions so that I could use my talent, not just for writing books, but for, um, various different transmedia, and to help other people get their foot in the door. I'm very anti-gatekeeper, so I've Mm -hmm. been looking for ways um, so that I could just kind of smash through breakthroughs and not just make it possible for myself to do that, but other writers be inspired to do the same. And we actually uh, just came out of the WGA East and West Writer Strike, and I'm actually a member of the Authors Guild, which was, and we were standing in solidarity with um the writer strike with east and west on wga yeah. so i kind of was like okay i'm a member of this guild and then this screenplay stuff is happening with the writer's strike what can i do and that was kind of at the same time i was already still working on books so i had ray come to me and offer for to do this anthology so i started working a lot on that as my personal project on what i was mm-hmm. doing here in addition to managing all of those things um but I enjoy what I do and it, it gives me an opportunity to work on a lot of different new projects. I am very busy. Um, but essentially, you know, I, like I said, I love what I do. So it's, it's, I work every day, but it doesn't seem like it's work every day.
1: <laughs> no. And I, I think I sort of mentioned this before when we were talking, um, having various outlets like that, I, I really feel helps keep you fresh in all areas especially if you're doing something you love
2: yeah it's it's very fulfilling and um I I would say I'm pretty much married to my job at this point <laughs> but <laughs> it it makes me very happy and I have been able to expand a lot in since, since I last talked to you and Lily I've done so many things mm-hmm. it's it's a kind of almost strange that it's been, you know, three years since the pandemic set in and I had no idea exactly what I was going to do at that time to, I guess that's just how creativity works. I found yeah. my kind of a niche area that I do really well in and it still allowed me to work with different projects meet new people and be able to fund my own projects. And um, I'm doing all of this now full-time. So I am glad to say I finally got out of the public sector work and I'm able to, you know, manage my own schedule and just kind of do me in a way that I feel like never in my life have I ever been so successful. and been so content with creating and working and, and it's just really rewarding.
1: That's awesome. And you sound happy. Uh, I mean, not that you didn't in our previous interview, but you, you sound happy and, and directed, if I could use that.
2: That's that's I love that. That's a great explanation and um definitely makes me feel proud of myself but <laughs> yeah, it's 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 great. Um as far as like writing movies though, I now that the writer strike is over, that's what I was going to touch on next. Um now, are am- these going
1: to I'm sorry to interrupt. Are they main, going to be mainstream or are they do they lean erotic? Um Some
2: that- yes, no. Um I was going to talk about my my screenplay that I wrote with you. Yeah little bit um it's actually called secrets of the day and it is a action adventure it's actually kind of like a spy film it's female driven which is very popular right now Mm -hmm. so the character is a woman and she well she was a cia agent and she ends up uncovering like basically a plot for them to release ebola in the united states and she realizes that it's kind of like it's happening from within the agency. So it's basically her trying to race against time to stop them from releasing this virus and bring the people that are within her agency that are kind of double spies to justice. Um, And there, I wouldn't say it's erotic. Exactly. There is a sex scene in it. Um, And I mean, it's an erotic and a very, I feel like it's a very sensual sex scene. And Mm -hmm. I'm, know that like when intimacy coordinators or everything gets to working with that you know the actors are going to be very close proximity that's all I'm gonna say <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's uh it has one of those really erotic like you know I don't know if you know any like old school like Jean-Claude Van Damme movies like yeah. in most of his movies he has like all of this action and there's usually a female character that he like ends up like being his love interest and then they have mm-hmm. one crazy sex scene in his movies (laughs) it's like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um I did make those
1: were always things I looked forward to back in the day
2: (laughs) yeah it made it more interesting um (laughs) I think the the one that pops in the top of my head is nowhere to run where he's stars opposite Roxana Arquette and um that one had a really intimate scene and I remember watching that and that's sticking with me so I I kind of just like drew on different inspiration from different movies that I had already seen and because I had never written an erotic scene within a script format and the thing about it is when you're translating from author writing books to film and screenplay there's a totally different way because you're writing for the camera you're not writing for right. the audience so you have to describe things as if someone's recording it so the story that you're told when you're watching a movie you're not reading you're watching and everything in the scene is painted out before you according to what they film and then the dialogue in addition to what you see is how you determine what the story is mm-hmm. so you have to write that as a writer and you're used to being an immersive writer which you already know i am it's a whole other different shift and um so i have to be like okay i i I can't describe all the details finally like I would to make this more appealing. I have to instead do it in a specific formatted way. So I'm getting the detail of what the scene is about and using the dialogue to carry the story. Yeah. So um, it's a whole different way. So I had to really take my time with uh, learning how to write an erotic scene within a film. And that was my challenge. But I did really well. And I actually worked with a producer. Um, It was interesting how that came about because I'm on Stage 32, which is a social site for film directors, uh, producers, screenplay writers, actors. Um, And there are a lot of different people that have actually been found there that have ended up being successful in having their stuff made into films or TV shows, whatever the case may be. I had been on there for years and I have log lines um, for about eight of my eight different story scripts that I have. Um, And I just, you know, it was just there and I would come and check it once in a while. And I didn't really think much of it one day out of the blue. And that was probably I think it was May 2002 or 2022. Excuse me. um, I got an email from it was an email but it was from a message inbox from stage 32 so I went over there and it was from this producer and he queried me for just one of my scripts or or one of my film treatments at first because there's different documents you have to share with them and a lot of times they'll ask you for like the log line and then the film treatment before they'll even take a chance to read your script and he read my treatment and then he was like okay I want to see all of your scripts and a lot of them weren't even done they were just partial scripts so I was like okay well I have no problem showing you some of the pages of the scripts but I let him know they weren't completed yet and he was like no that's great I just I want to read what you have and so I sent it to him and he came back and the one that he said that he thought had the most immediate um, marketability was secrets of the day
0: Mm -hmm. and I saw
2: it's only got six pages written on it right now. And he goes, well, can you send me all six pages? And cause I had only sent him like the first page of the script at that point. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. You know, um, sent it to him. He came back and he was like, so I'm ready to quote you on this. Do you want to go into Hollywood? Are you interested in making movies? Would you want to be an actress? Would you want to do di- directing or any of these things? And I was like, and he's very legit. It wasn't just like right. somebody using social media to try to, get me into something. I don't want to be in, but he, I checked him and everything before I sent all that. So um, I went on IMDB and I found him in the database and he definitely was somebody who was doing well. I noticed that his last film that he did, he made, you know, $250,000 just for himself. So I was like, okay, so you are obviously a grossing producer. Um, It's definitely legitimate with you. And so I knew that and I sent him those things and That's when we kind of decided to partner together and I let him coach me and he didn't really do much. Honestly, Kyle, he, he helped me out in that I would send him the pages and he would tell me if anything, if he thought that there needed to be more action, maybe a little bit here Mm But like he didn't, and I kept asking him. I was like, "Is there anything within the writing or the formula or the stylistics I need to change? Is this okay for a camera?" And I was very, very concerned about these things. And he was like, "No, no, I don't need to point you out on how to write a script. You know what you're doing. It's very clear that you know what you're doing. All of these documents show that you know what you're doing." And I was just kind of like, "Okay, <laughs> I appreciate that, but you know, I I've never done this before. You're the the professional that has the experience. As far as I'm concerned, so I was kind of." expecting that he was going to have more um feedback on that but no right. he he was consistently like this is great and this is great and it took me like i said i finished it in february and that was may of the year before so mm-hmm. um it took me a few months to do between managing other things that i was doing um to write a full 2 hour movie but i did and then i turned it over to him and he submitted it and then the writer strike hit. And it was kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. like, what? <laughs> really? But um I am glad though, because there were certain things that they were trying to get, you know, protected clauses for writers. And especially with the rise of AI, um, that was a really big deal about the
1: absolutely. Writer- yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
2: That's okay. I was just gonna say, yeah, that was just a really big one because the AI situation, um, I mean, I can see that it's becoming used in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And my company, though, we took a staunch vow. I don't hire people that use AI for writing for anything um, because I didn't go in this industry to see myself get replaced by a machine that can't think the same way that I do. And I I actually proved this. Um, I went in to... A ch- to chat gbt and I took a, f- a phrase from my own story that's completed and I put it in there and I was like create a story off this and the story ideas that they came up with for there were three different I'm sorry the train's going by now you'll have to apologize
1: <laughs> that's okay actually yeah. I was uh, I uh to our listeners uh we were talking ahead of time I have construction going on in the area and I just got a Comcast alert that I may lose internet in the next five minutes so
2: Oh, no. Okay. Well, Uh, uh,
1: (laughs) yeah, go Um, ahead. Finish up where you were at.
2: Yeah. So what I was saying is um, basically because of AI doing that, and and I took a staunch vow not to use it. And um, I I put that in there and it came up with three different endings and and all of them were very basic, like Mm -hmm. very it would have been what I would have written in like middle school. And when I was reading the ideas and how it it came up with its three act structure, it did come up with a story and and three different ideas for concepts that um, did have, you know, those three acts, but it was so flat and boring. I was like, this is, I would never write something like this. Like my stories are so much more nuanced. And they, like you were talking about my ability to character build these stories that they're writing are just like, you know, Sam walked to the store across the street. Right, with this and right. That. It's boring.
1: No, it's it's disturbing to me and some of the writers groups that I'm in, um, seeing people discuss and share that they're trying to use AI more and more to write their stories. And uh, to me, that that just I I I could talk forever about how much I how many issues I have with something like that. But I, I didn't get into writing to, like you were saying to have a computer do my story for me. I'll I'll do my story.
2: Right. Exactly. And I mean, I offer ghostwriting services in my company and that's one thing, like if you have a really good story and you can't write it yourself and you want to go hire a human writer to help assist and develop and write your story, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, And I, I would encourage you to do that. Reach out to me, reach out to others. That's what we're here for. Don't go use chat gpt don't go use an ai to do it there are people out here i mean even if they don't write the whole book for you that can help develop a story to get you the right ways to go that are actually going to be doing a role job for you that have spent lots of time perfecting their craft and like i i went to school for a long time and i'm actually 90 percent deaf i have two children that are fully wheelchair bound in wheelchairs and Mm. i do this every single day so that i can keep food on the table and a roof over my kid's head and it's an inflation time and i'm not trying to put a poor mouth on nobody i'm doing well but the thing is it's a working job and if people go out there and they use ai and they stop hiring people like me what happens to me and my children Mm -hmm. what happens to all of those thousands of people that work in writing roles that spent time and went into student loan debt so that they can learn to do these things so that they could work for people and produce like there is no need for this machine. There is no need for a machine to write a story when there are human beings that need jobs. It's just not needed. And also this machine does not compute and it cannot write the same way a human being can from their observational experiences.
1: No, and and I don't and they they can't um they're not creative. Right. They 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 don't come up with an idea for a story that hasn't been put in them somewhere. But uh, yeah, I think this may be a topic for us to come back to.
2: Oh, definitely, Kyle. You know, I'd be interested in coming back and talking with you and Lily at any time. I love being on the podcast, so.
1: I I hate doing this, but I'm going to wrap up so that we don't just have a a dropped uh, call here. But to my listeners, um, as soon as I get off while I still have internet, I'm going to work with Sai on trying to get her Uh, back because there's a lot that we can talk about. Um, and hopefully, you you know, we can do that sometime soon.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, if you want to uh work out a scheduled day, I'd be glad to talk to you again.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, to the listeners, I'm going to have links to all of Sai's uh stuff in the description and uh, please check out the anthology. Uh, and Sai, do you want to give us the name of the anthology again and where they can find it?
2: Dance with Darkness, A Magical Enemies to Lovers Collection, and you can find it on Amazon right now.
1: Great. Okay. And thank you so much for coming on and uh, hopefully coming back sometime soon.
2: Awesome. Definitely.
0: Speak seductively.